Well, hey, good morning. It's Thursday, July 13th. It is six minutes after nine. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. We're both glad you're joining us today. So yesterday was FBI Director Christopher Ray's special day. He appeared before the House Judiciary Committee, and boy, did they unload a barrage of criticism against him. Jim Jordan started it off, and uh, wow, the allegations began about social media companies suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story. They went all the way through the FBI's handling of threats on school boards, and they ended up with extremism in the Catholic Church, and they accused him of a lot of different things. At one point, Representative Matt Gates said, Are you protecting the Bidens? And Christopher Wray answered, absolutely not. And at the very end, uh, Christopher Wray was trying to say that there's a lot of people from your home state in Florida that are applying to come work for us. And Matt Gates said, yeah, and we're deeply proud of them and they deserve better than you. Ouch. All right. So I want to start today's show by welcoming all of our listeners in Fishers, the greater Fishers area. I really, really appreciate you tuning in despite having to pull those knives out of your back that were stabbed into you last night by the Hamilton Southeastern School Board and the big fat phonies who lied to everybody up there about what they are. We'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. But I did want to start our show by welcoming because I know we have a lot of new listeners from the Fishers area Mm -hmm. uh, today. So hello to all of you. Yes, Casey, the FBI director uh, went on Capitol Hill. Now, let's remind everybody, because we get people get very angry at us when we point this out, but this guy is another example of someone who was appointed by Donald Trump. And it wasn't like, oh my gosh, Trump got stuck with this guy, or he was a holdover, or he could, just couldn't come in like a, you know, a wrecking ball and get rid of everyone. No, in the middle of his term, after Donald Trump had already been through all the Comey stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, should have known what the DOJ and the FBI and CIA and all these other organizations are, he chose any any person in the world, Casey. He had at his disposal he had the senate in his favor he could clearly get whoever he wanted confirmed he chose christopher ray and this is another example when people want to get mad at us about why are you ripping on trump no one forced donald trump to appoint christopher ray as the director of the fbi mm-hmm. he made this choice of his own free will and christopher ray just like many other people that donald trump appointed yeah is an establishment swamp creature who is interested in protecting the cabal. And in this case, the cabal is about the weaponization of the Department of Justice and law enforcement in this country. So you're saying that this is just one of those things that Trump somehow magically gets a free pass on. Right, absolutely. And when we point this out, people just get angry. I'm never listening again. Of course, they're, they don't actually ever leave, or if they do, they're back the next day. But this is another example. Like, I, th- we didn't do this. I don't know why people get mad at us for pointing out. Like, if you are angry, which people should be, about what happened yesterday on Capitol Hill, and we're going to walk you through the, the audio of some of the, in this case, it would be low lights of Christopher Ray's appearance. Well, he didn't answer any questions. Or, he dodged and ducked everything. Or if you are angry about the, the weaponization of the of uh, law enforcement in this country at the federal level against regular people, don't be mad at us. 
We didn't appoint this guy. Trump did. So when he comes out and says, drain the swamp and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, it rings hollow to me because he put these people in positions of power to be able to do that. And when you ask somebody or point this out to somebody, they go, doesn't matter, wasn't his fault. Well, whose fault is it then? <laughs> okay, so in multiple exchanges, Ray was clashing with everybody on that House Judiciary Committee uh, because they were accusing the FBI and Christopher Ray personally of being biased against conservatives. And he said, that seems somewhat insane to me. Okay, so I want to start with, and I believe this was Matt Gates on the grill, uh, about how many times he starts talking with Ray about how many times the FBI has used illegal FISA queries to surveil Americans, not to be Austin Powers and use the same word in a sentence twice, illegally, because that's the key word, right? Phony baloney bullcrap that the FBI used to get a judge to grant them permission to spy on people. And get this, Casey. Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, cannot tell you how many times his organization has done that. How many illegal FISA queries have occurred under your leadership of the FBI? Well, there are reports that have come out with different numbers about uh, compliance incidents. More than a million illegal ones? Because that's what the inspector general said. The inspector general said that in the 3.4 million of these queries, more than a million were in error. Do you have any basis to disagree with that, that assessment by the Inspector General? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, actually, that's a, com- a correct characterization of the Inspector General's uh, oh, well, findings on well, that. The internet but, will remind you of I, that in moments. But, but let, let's now go to uh, what the, the court said. The court said it was over 200,000 that have occurred on your watch. Would, would, do you have any basis to disagree with that assessment? Again, I don't have the numbers I sit here right now. What I can Seems like you- a number you should know. How many times the FBI's breaking the law under your watch? A million, Casey. Yeah. He can't refute with any sort of just say, I you know, I, I disagree with the assessment, but he can't provide you any factual evidence to refute that a million times or more the FBI has illegally, again, to be Austin Powers, illegally obtained sur- uh, surveillance warrants to illegally surveil someone. Well, it, a, a million times, Casey. It, I, I'm a little nervous about this because they were specifically talking about Bank of America as they were looking at what people were purchasing before January 6th and if they had purchased any guns or ammunition specifically in Washington, D.C. and New York. And I bank at Bank of America. Does that mean the FBI has my info of what I've bought? Probably, well, although you won't get a straight answer on that, Casey, because yeah. well, the FBI director can't tell. Think about that. They have done this so many times. They have illegally surveilled people, or they have, in this case, basically given a judge phony baloney bullcrap information. Also, what does it say about our judiciary that the judges have so little? ability to check and balance these people that they basically just go with whatever the government tells them. Sure, sounds good to me. We're not talking about one instance where, oh my gosh, poor Fred got surveilled and that was clearly the wrong thing to do. A million plus times, Casey. A million. Yeah, they're in it in it deep. That's a lot of people. He goes on to refuse to say if the DOJ should apologize for targeting parents who went to school board meetings. Yeah, um, so 
obviously we're talking about uh, parents who went to object to a variety of issues, CRT, DEI, SEL, uh, you know, mask mandating, just, I mean, a whole plethora of areas in which the overwhelming majority of parents went peacefully had their says, peacefully sat in the audience, peacefully objected to what was being done to their children. And um, the FBI, the as the mechanism for the Department of Justice, was weaponized to fear and intimidate these people for just being basic Americans and exer- exercising their constitutional right to freedom of speech and mm-hmm. petition against their government. Mm-hmm. Do you would you do you believe that the attorney general should apologize to parents who are the subject of that memorandum? I'm not going to speak to that. Will you apologize for the FBI's own role? I think the FBI conducted itself uh, the way it should here, which is that we've considered to continued to follow our longstanding rules and have not changed anything in response to that memo. So. <laughs> We did fine. We're great. Sure, we, we threatened to like put you in jail if you went and objected at a school board meeting, but we did fine. Uh-huh. He sat there and argued that the Bureau took the appropriate steps to address problems. And, oh, okay. And this is the lack of transparency, I think, is the biggest problem. Obviously, the actions are a huge problem, but the complete lack of ownership and filibuster from this guy, Christopher Ray, director of the FBI, is the thing that I think should bother the American people the most because he knows what they did. Mm -hmm. It's not like he doesn't actually have the information. It isn't like he doesn't actually know whether they've done these, you know, illegal, you know, FISA warrants or in this case, weaponized his office against, you know, regular people because they went to school board meetings, but he won't give you a clear answer. You get all of the stuff done to you and then there's zero ownership in terms of what we actually did to you when you get called out for your bullcrap. How many times did he say, I can't answer that question? Mm-hmm. I can't answer. If you were doing a drinking game <laughs> during that uh, committee hearing, you would be flat out stumbling, passed out, drunk. Uh, okay, and here is another example of that in which Christopher Ray, director of the FBI, refuses to say if Merrick Garland, the attorney general, spoke to him or the FBI before issuing the memo targeting parents who went to the school board meetings. In response, the FBI opened 25 assessments against parents and even created a new threat tag. Director Ray, did uh, Attorney General Garland consult with you or the FBI before issuing that memorandum? Uh, I, I can't get into discussions that did or maybe more importantly did not happen between the FBI and the department in advance of the... Why do you say more importantly did not? Well, because I will say to you the same thing that I said to all 56 of our field offices as soon as I read the memo, which is that the FBI is not in the business of investigating or policing speech at school board meetings or anywhere else for that matter, and we're not going to start now. Uh, Now, violence, threats of violence, that's a different matter. We're going to work with our Correct. So that's what the memo was predicated on. And what I'm asking you, was there any evidence that you provided to Attorney General Garland that supported that predicate, that premise that there was an increase in harassment and threats of violence? I'm not aware of any such evidence, but I know that we've had a number of uh, of our folks who have been up here for transcribed interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless some of them <laughs> shared it, I'm not aware of any. Of well, actually, what they've shared with us points to just the, the opposite. <laughs> I'm not aware of it. 
so now let me speak as someone with some experience, Casey. Mm-hmm. As you may know, I had a little run-in at the last public meeting I attended. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's a Brownsburg uh, Town Council meeting tonight. And I'll, oh. uh, I'm, I'm very excited to go. And I'm sure all, they're excited See all my friends, and yeah. I'm going to just let them know in advance. I'll be up there at the beginning of the meeting speaking, and I dare you to weaponize the police on me again, and mm-hmm. let, let's see how that goes. Um, I've had the cops weaponized by an elected official on me. We've played the audio. I, Casey, did I or did I not? do anything that was uh inciting violence yeah wh- no what what did, i got up there and i said i'd like to know how an item gets added to the agenda right because well it seems we have a problem with items getting, getting added the, yeah. and then subtracted from the agenda yeah and what the guy do that clown president in brownsburg he said we're not talking about this right now and then he had that police officer yes, forcibly a- escort you forcibly remove me and then yeah. the cop was like this is ridiculous go back in the meeting and speak again sure. i mean even the cops were like what the heck but that I, so i have a real world example of what they're talking about in these meetings mm-hmm. which is law enforcement by either elected or appointed people being weaponized against citizens who are asking pertinent, relevant questions because the pertinent, relevant questions are embarrassing to the elected officials. It is 19 minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Twenty-two minutes after nine. Good morning. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC. Have you heard about Kevin Costner's divorce? You know his uh, his soon-to-be ex-wife filed for divorce, and uh, he has been ordered to pay one hundred and twenty-nine thousand dollars in monthly child support. One hundred twenty-nine thousand dollars in monthly child support. So they uh, both are going to be required to pay about fifty percent of their three children's health care expenses, sports, and also extracurricular activities. She was ordered to vacate their one hundred forty-five million dollars Santa Barbara estate. <laughs> <laughs> by the end of the month, I guess that was part of their prenuptial agreement. Yeah. If something were to happen, she's getting the boot. Wait, how much is the house worth? $145 million. Wait, 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 wait. It's got, it's got like acreage or something associated with that, right? Well, I mean, it is an estate. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, was, so okay, it's, it's so, a pretty big place. So if he's doing 129000 a month mm-hmm. times 12, I'm just, again, I'm a... But, well, about one and a half annual. Okay, one and a half million annually. His mm-hmm. kids obviously will get child support until they're 18, so... The youngest one is 13 right now, so we're talking about five oh, more years. So he's got five years to pay a million and a half a year, so what is that? That's $7.5 million. Total and is get, seven, five, seven and a half million. And he gets... Uh, the 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 hundred fifty million dollar home mm-hmm. to keep. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> what, what? that's like me losing ten bucks, Casey. Okay, so his net worth is four hundred million dollars. <laughs> now, if you think about this, one hundred twenty nine thousand dollars in monthly child yeah. support seems like a lot of money, right? Uh-huh. But when your net worth is four hundred million, we're talking about two percent over the next five years. Yeah, and I always my favorite thing with Kevin Costner is. That guy made a gajillion dollars playing Joe Everyman, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, all of his sports movies, whether it's Bull Durham or Field of Dreams or Tin Cup or now for love of the game, he plays a, you know, a, a somewhat prominent baseball player. But he always has this kind of charming Joe Everyman persona about him. And by all accounts, Kevin Costner is a complete and total a-hole. Like every person I've ever heard that has had some sort of run-in or encounter with him, the news reporting about him, just what a complete, just 
awful human being Kevin Costner is. Yeah, they're now going to fight over custody of those three children. That well, yeah, if have. I'm paying a million and a half large, I want to see the kid, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kids, plural. Uh, also trending this morning, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he's taunting Elon Musk. He's posting pictures of himself with his ripped physique ahead of their rumored cage fight against each other. Of course, tensions between the two at an all-time high. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know about this um, ripped physique. Okay, he's fine. Like, the, he, there, it's not RFK Jr. Rich. Right, right, right. I mean, he's a very physically fit individual, mm-hmm. but I would not call that a ripped physique. Like, who has a ripped physique? The Rock would yeah. have a ripped physique. Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger circa Terminator would have a ripped physique. Uh, cliffhanger Sylvester Stallone would have a ripped physique. I'm not giving Mark Zuckerberg a ripped physique. He's just a very physically fit person. He is physically fit, and he's trying to put it in Elon Musk's face. Of course, Meta launched Threads, that app that is uh, supposed to be the rival to Twitter, which is owned by Elon Musk. I don't know. I think Elon Musk, I'm rooting for Elon, but he better get he better get it together. He better start working out, because the picture that, Elon, that Mark Zuckerberg is posting is him with his trainers, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> And he's, There's no way this is ever going to happen. There's no way, Casey. Zuckerberg is going to come at Elon like a spider monkey. Yeah, There's I mean that, no competition. These, those, uh, what's it called? Jiu-jitsu? Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. I mean, those guys are, I mean, because they can kick. And yeah. kicks can be, you watch the UFC, it's the guys with the kicks that you got to worry about. Yeah, and that's why Mark Zuckerberg likes it, because he said it's yeah, his favorite sport, because no, they can kick. There's no way this is happening. No way. <laughs> uh, okay, Casey, yeah. look, as you know, at some point here in this hour, we've got to uh, we've got to talk about just the, uh, look, I mean, the police should be on the scene last night investigating all the uh, backstabbing that went went on at the Hamilton Southeastern School Board meeting. But before we get to that, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of drama now with Donald Trump in Iowa. Yeah. And people are very angry at him and his his uh, behavior there. So do you want to get to that before we get to the, I mean, again, I'm I'm guessing there must have been crime scene tape out last night at that school board meeting. I, uh, Man, wow, yikes. Uh, but do you want to get to Trump and Iowa first? Yep. And also DeSantis. I just keep thinking of the uh, clip you mentioned, Austin Powers. Who does number two work for? <laughs> DeSantis saying he's nobody's number two. And we'll get to that coming up from 93 WIBC. He's picking a fight. He's picking a fight. And I'm not talking about Rob Kendall. I'm talking about Donald Trump. It is 933 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Donald Trump targeting Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, picking a fight with her. She's a pretty well-liked figure in the state of Iowa. So is this a mistake? Why would he want to do this? A lot of people. So Daily Mail had a big article about this. And I've seen many other platforms by which fairly prominent people in the state of Iowa including religious leaders, et cetera, are now denouncing Donald Trump because of his bizarre behavior towards the governor of Iowa. Kim Reynolds is her name. She may be doing a good job. She may be doing a bad job. I don't know. I don't live in Iowa. What I do know is that if you are hoping to win a state and you want to curry favor with the people of that state, blasting that state's governor who at least on a popularity scale mm-hmm. 
remains somewhat popular, not just with people in general, but also the rank and file establishment. It's not, I'm sorry, conservative base. It's not just the establishment. It's not, what I'm trying to say is it's not Holcomb here, where like if you came here and you were campaigning for president, you could actually run against Eric Holcomb in a Republican primary and a whole bunch of people would be like, dude, I am 100% with you. Let, you know, go at lockdown McGee. That would actually win you votes. Mm-hmm. She is apparently not that in Iowa and Trump has lost it over her. She hasn't endorsed anyone. She's not actively campaigning with anyone. She's basically like, dude, we welcome everyone, all yep. you people who are running. And she appeared at some event with Casey DeSantis, not an official, I'm campaigning for you, capacity just hey i'm the governor your husband's a governor you're here campaigning Mm -hmm. welcome and trump lost his mind over it yeah well okay so she's also been going around with nikki haley as well all the candidates who come to iowa she's like the tour guide which makes sense yes she wants <laughs> she wants these candidates to come to her state because it just draws more attention and brings in more money. You to know what her this state. is the equivalent of? It's like when a when a big event comes to the city of Indianapolis and it would be like now look, Joe Hawk said it's horrific and awful, but one of the jobs of, you know, being the mayor of a large city is whatever convention or event it is, you go there, you show up, you do a photo op, you shake hands mm-hmm. with it's it's Gen Con or it's ribbon cutting, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it would be like if the NFL combine went ballistic because Joe Hogsett not only showed up at the NFL combine to thank them, but he's also thanking Gen Con for being we're thanking everyone we're so glad everyone is here and trump is acting like a maniac over this okay so he's trying to take credit for her being governor he (laughs) said that he cleared the way when he appointed her predecessor to an ambassadorship so it's like yeah exactly like i appointed your predecessor to an ambassador so i i got rid of that person so that you could become governor so you owe this to me again it's with the loyalty thing Thing with Trump and it is taking credit and whether it's DeSantis or Kim Reynolds there is no semblance of part of if you actually believe in the things you espouse is you say I want as many good people in positions of power as possible and hey part of being the head of the party the face of the party is we need to get as many conservatives elected to be governors of states in the nation and man I was super pleased to be able to participate and help Kim Reynolds get elected it's been great for the people of Iowa Trump's not about that He's not actually about, I mean, he proves this when he's not about the cause. He's not about the ideology. He's about himself. And it's super weird that nobody either, nobody has or can get to him and go, bro, this is what happens in these states. The governor Mm -hmm. of the same party very rarely, especially super early on in the process, is going to align up with someone. And if you want someone to align up with you, this is not the right way to do it. He's always got to be picking a fight with somebody, it seems like. Put the sword down. It's 938 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And let's talk about this other governor, Ron DeSantis. Uh, He said that he would not be (laughs) Donald Trump's running mate if given the opportunity to to join him on the ticket. Not like <laughs> not like Donald Trump is about to ask him, yeah. but he's putting that out there preventively. That that would be like uh, Kevin right now going, um, uh, if Katy Perry asked me to be her boyfriend, I would absolutely not accept that in any shape, form, or fashion. Because <laughs> it's, it's a, about to happen. It's a preemptive <laughs> strike of something that is probably definitely not ever going to 
happen. And I don't know if, if Kevin is a Katy Perry fan. Maybe I should have said Ava Max or whoever else. I don't know. But my point is, no kidding, it's not going to happen. But you're trying to make yourself look like the bigger person for something that declining something you know there's absolutely no way that you're that not is gonna ever going to take place. You're not going to get asked on that date, Ron, so it's okay. <laughs> you don't He said, "I don't think so. I'm not a number 2 guy." <laughs> Who does number 2 work for? And then he was asked about his thoughts on a running mate. He said it's a little early to be thinking about that at this stage, which he's right. He's got to win the primary first. Yeah. Casey, let me be as clear as I possibly can, okay, right now. If on their farewell tour, Don Henley invites me up on stage to help the Eagles sing old 55, I am not going to accept because I'm not a number two guy. Mm -hmm. I'm taking center stage or nothing at all. Okay. There, boom. Have we settled that? That You're doing lead on Hotel California or nothing. That is the equivalent of what Ron DeSantis just did right there. Okay, so one of uh, Trump's campaign spokespersons said that Ron DeSantis isn't anybody's guy. He's not the guy. He's just (laughs) a guy. He's just there sullen and sad because his numbers are as tiny as him. (laughs) Well, okay. And that is disappointing for a lot of DeSantis supporters that he hasn't done as well as he was expected to from the get-go. Well, look, no, uh, yes, and we've talked about this, that what I thought would happen and what is happening, I'm not lined up yet. Now, again, it is forever until Iowa, and Iowa is a different animal, and there is a very real world by which Ron DeSantis walks into Iowa on election day, trailing in the polls by 10 points, and because of the caucus structure and the way it works that he wins Iowa and then comes out with all sorts of momentum. Keep in mind, Donald Trump lost Iowa to Ted Cruz in 2016. In 2016. Came so in th- second, right? And then all bets are off. So, you, you look, again, is, is DeSantis, I thought nationally people would see this and go, oh my gosh, DeSantis, blah, blah, blah. That has not happened. However, none of that matters right now. And ultimately, none of it really even matters until the caucuses take place in January of next year. All right, Casey, Mm -hmm. I want to give us some time because I'm going to need a moment because (laughs) last night, again, I am hoping that the police are out in full force investigating the repetitive, blatant backstabbing that took place in Fishers at the Hamilton Southeastern School Board meeting because, wow, my phone was blowing up yesterday from conservatives who are livid, who feel totally betrayed, used, and lied to by these phony baloney school board members who use them to get elected and then last night stuck the knife in. Mm-hmm. Talk about it when we come back. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It is 946. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. That's Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter, Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find me there as well. Also on Instagram and TikTok, Casey Daniels 317. We're both on YouTube right now. Type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. And Kevin and I have been on it with the Spotify oh, playlist. Great. Yes, absolutely. If you want to hear all of the music that we play throughout the show, uh, it's on Spotify. Now, Kevin led with the Eagles one of these nights, because I think we're going to get into them here in mm-hmm. just a moment. But he actually probably should have led with the OJ's backstabber. <laughs> 
because that would be the more appropriate uh, theme song given what happened last night at the Hamilton Southeastern School Board meeting. So real quick, just a little bit of a background on what happened here. Um, and let's go way back in the time machine to remind everyone that ref- that in 2008, the Indiana General Assembly put into law and then it was followed up by the voters across the entire state of Indiana that their homes were no longer the personal piggy bank for out-of-control local governments, primarily school corporations, who absolutely refused to get their fiscal house in order, and they put tax caps not only into law but into the Indiana Constitution. And one of the egregious mistakes made at the time by the General Assembly was they allowed for, and the key word here is during emergencies, unforeseen things that could not be predicted for school corporations to be allowed to put referendums on the ballot. It is very clear if you go back to that debate and that discussion at that time, that was the reason the referendum clause was allowed. Not because you wanted to hire more administrators, not because you wanted to give uh, lazy people raises. It was for unforeseen emergencies. Everything else, the message was very clear. Local governments in this state are totally out of control and you refuse to get your fiscal house in order, so we will do it for you by tax caps. Mm-hmm. Now, ever since then, schools have totally bastardized this, and since the moment they were put in the Constitution, have thrown these referendums on ballots, left and right, like they're going out of style, because they recognized we can use the full weight and force of the government, in this case, the school corporation, and tax money associated with that to pass these referendums, and the onus is on the individual to stop these referendums using their own money, their own resources, and there is a very small chance in most cases, unless you have Rob Kendall on your side, that these things will actually not pass. All right, that's our background. Everybody good? Cool. Great. So last year in Fishers, Hamilton Southeastern School District, four people ran as a unit And it was very clear, every event you went to, these are the conservatives, these are the Republicans, you vote for these people, we are going to clean up all the bull crap. The the stuff that had been going on with Hamilton Southeastern Schools, with the DEI, the SEL, all of this woke stuff, they said, if you pick us as a block, and they all ran as a block, all four of them, we will fix this issue. And so foolishly now as after last night people believed and this is why you don't believe republicans this is why when republicans tell you they're going to do something you laugh in their face because this is what they always do they tell you one thing to get elected and then once they're elected they do something they, else. they do the exact opposite of what they promised mm-hmm. and last night these four supposed conservative republicans joined with the liberal members of the school board and uh, there's seven members of the board it was Everybody voting yes, except for one of the Republicans who, get this, Casey, she abstained. Oh. She didn't vote no. no. She voted to abstain. She didn't have the cojones to even vote no. So there was not a single no vote to once again reestablish a tax referendum, which is a tax increase on the people of the Hamilton Southeastern School District. Okay, so they're going to put this, so the school board voted last night to put this back on the ballot in November. Yes, that's correct. And boy, you want to look up lame-ass excuse in the dictionary. So I started, people were just just 
hounding me who had voted for these people mm-hmm. going, Rob, you have to do something. You have to say something. We are being stabbed in the back by these people. Yeah, they well, they were told one thing and another thing happened. Including people who worked, not just people who voted for them. I'm talking about, I had a long conversation last night at about 1045 at night with people who actively work to get these people elected and were saying, we absolutely are beside ourselves. We cannot believe these people did this. And I calmly said to them, why are you surprised? They're Republicans. Mm. The Indiana Republican Party is the party of big spending, big government, big taxes, and big public education. And so the lame-ass excuse that these people have come up with is, <laughs> you're you're not reporting this correctly because, well, this referendum, it's not as big as the last one that's about to expire. So we're really cutting people's taxes. So what they're saying, Casey, if this referendum expired and was not put back on the ballot, mm-hmm. let's say your taxes would be $100. Well, now the taxes will be $200, which sure, that's more than the $100. It should be based on the tax caps that are your constitutional right. But the referendum before that, well, it was $300, Casey. So you should really pat us on the back because and give us a Because we're saving you money. Yes. You have to pass the, pass the referendum to save the money. And what is happening here and why these people should get no grace and people should absolutely, uh, in a peaceful, polite, law-abiding manner, totally berate all four of these people who promised to be different and came in and stabbed you in the back last night. They are feeding the very beast that they campaigned on wanting to obliterate. Mm-hmm. If you choke off the money, and by the way, this is an operating referendum, and I did a deep dive with someone intimately familiar with this last night, and they told me that the last, because the, the operating referendum is always, oh my gosh, if we don't pass the operating referendum, then 10 million teachers will be fired, and they'll all be at a soup kitchen, and, and they'll be the beneficiaries of WIBC helping the Salvation Army this winter. I was told by someone with very, very, very good knowledge and, and intimate knowledge of what happened the, with the last operating referendum, the majority of that money went to... Dun, da, da, da. Sports? Well, no. In this case, it was administrators, okay. Casey. Okay. So they hired a bunch, which is what often happens mm-hmm. with referendums that are supposed to go for operating costs. It doesn't go to the teachers. It doesn't help the teachers. The threat is always, we're going to have to fire teachers if we don't pass an operating referendum. It goes to the higher-ups to make these six-figure salaries with sweet benefits and retirement plans and everything else. These four people should be ashamed of themselves. They fed the very beast that they campaigned on, that they promised to fix. You can't you cannot stop this thing unless you choke off the money given to it. And in this case, not only are you feeding the beast that you promised to stop, you are stealing money from people. You are violating their right to the constitutional right to tax caps and I feel so bad for the people who went out and knocked on doors for these people, who told their friends and their family, you can believe in these people, that they're different, that they're better, that they're that they're going to fix this issue. They lied to you, and now you've got to spend your own time and money and resources to try to stop your taxes going up. The Indiana Republicans never change, Casey. It never change. They're all the same. More taxes, more government, more spending, more public education. Liars, all of them. Say one thing, do another. Okay, well, can we talk about some of the cuts? They say that if the referendum fails, what they're going to have to cut, because uh-huh. you hit it 
right on the head. You said administrators, right? So they say that if this referendum fails, they're going to have to reduce administrative positions by eight. <laughs> they're going to have to redistrict oh, no. to save on facility costs. Oh, you mean they're going to actually have to do what businesses do every single day and figure out resources they aren't utilizing properly and utilize those properly? <laughs> Oh, the humanity! They also say there's going to be larger class sizes and uh, reduction of non-certified, non-classroom staff, Uh more staff there, Uh and reduction of school librarians. Oh, my goodness. Boy, gosh darn it, Casey. They practically, the world is going to, the earth is going to open up and we're all going to fall into the abyss. Oh, my gosh, Casey. Okay. Well, when do they... So it's in November. They're putting this on the ballot in November. So here's my deal. And I told these people last night who were in a panic and they were practically in tears and I was trying to console them. And I don't even live here. Like I'm sitting there talking to myself, I don't even live in this place. Mm -hmm. And once again, I've been injected into the middle of everything because I've got to speak up for the people who can't speak up for themselves because a bunch of politicians lied right to their face. This always happens, Casey. Rob, help us. Rob, save us. I don't even live where you people live but I feel I owe it Mm -hmm. to humanity, Casey. Mm -hmm. And in this case, if there's going to be an organized opposition to the Hamilton Southeastern school, let's call it what it is, they use the word referendum, tax increase, I will help you in any way I possibly can because these liars and backstabbers on the Hamilton Southeastern School Board deserve to be defeated. Okay, let's talk about the Eagles. They have added a second Indianapolis show to their farewell tour. It is the Long Goodbye Tour. And let's see, the additional stop is going to be October 9th at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Okay, uh, tickets go on sale. Pre-sale tickets for the newly added show go on sale July 13th. Oh, is that today wouldn't you feel a little ripped off if you bought tickets to the first night in because four sh- minutes because shouldn't the farewell tour like Be if you bought farewell? a ticket to the farewell tour you're thinking oh my gosh you know don henley it's his last time you know they've been coming for 50 years and he's going to give some emotional speech at the mm-hmm. end and then you know they're gonna they're gonna go out with you know a 93 minute version of lion eyes mm-hmm. and or whatever Hey, we'll see you tomorrow night. (laughs) We've added another day. So you're saying if you bought tickets to the first show, you're kind of, you're getting gypped because they just added another show. Right. So the first goodbye isn't really the goodbye. Absolutely. It's like the Western goodbye. And and wasn't, didn't they do a show earlier this year here and that was supposed to be the farewell tour? The part of the long goodbye tour that you're missing is the long goodbye. Oh, I see. Goodbye. And and by the way, look. The the, multiple goodbye tour. Here's the dealio. Casey, uh, when you take, when the group is known for two guys, which is Fry and Henley, mm-hmm. and you remove one of them from the equation. It's not the band. It's like Foreigner. Yeah. Mick Jones and Lou Graham. Yeah. Lou Graham is not there. Mick Jones may still be there. That's not Foreigner. This is not the Eagles. <laughs> it's an imposter. No, I'm just kidding. The Eagles are awesome. One of the great songwriters of all time. Everybody should totally go. Steely Dan uh, still planning to open up for both shows. And by the way, yeah. Joe Walsh, one of the great guitar players of all time. Everybody go. Everybody enjoy the show. It'll be awesome. It's Kendall Lee Casey on 93 WIBC.